0: Good morning, everyone, and could I wish you all a happy new year, and that all your new year's resolutions at least last to the end of January, especially your dietary ones. But it's good to be with you. Thank you, Danielle, for the welcome and the joy it is to be with you this morning. Glad to see our pastor and his family. I wish he was over here and I was down there but it's great to see him. I want to read to you from the Scriptures, and we're reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. A few selected verses in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, Which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now down to verse fifty-one. Behold, I show you a mystery: we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first, incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruption has put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, or my beloved brothers and sisters, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labour is not in vain. In the Lord. Thus reads God's word, and God always blesses the truth of his word. I want to speak on verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labour is not in vain in the Lord. First of all, the word therefore. If you get the word, therefore, in Scripture, always inquire the background to it. It was the famous way that the scribes and the Pharisees, when they were in their debates, there were some of the house of Shammai and some of the household of uh, Hillel, and they had debates and arguments among them. And they would have set forth so many propositions, and from that, they would have said, therefore, in the light of Of these things, you must be this. If you take the context of the text, Paul is writing, he says this, I delivered unto you that which I received, that Christ Jesus died according to the Scriptures, that he rose again according to the Scriptures, and that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, He's coming again, according to the scriptures. Now, these were these three proper propositions. They were factual. Christ died for our sins. The substitutionary work of our Lord Jesus Christ. He shed his precious blood. He died on Calvary in your room and stand. He stayed the wrath of eternal God. He saved us from a lost eternity. He died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Paul what portion of Scriptures in the Old Testament he preached on, for they hadn't got the New Testament. Did he take Genesis, where the seed of the woman would bruise and crush the serpent's head, and speak of Christ triumphant and Calvary and the crosswork of Christ, The seat of the woman, mind you, not the seat of the man. The virgin birth, Christ himself. And what he did for in Calvary, he crushed the serpent's head. And he's delivered us from the power and thraldom of sin. Did he take Isaiah the prophet? Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a child, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And speak of the Christ that was born of the virgin. What a mystery of godliness Christ manifest in flesh. He yielded his hands to the nails, his feet to the nails, his side to the spear, his brow to the thorn, and forth with poured precious blood. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. Did he preach from the Psalms? They pierced my hands and my feet. Christ died according to the scriptures. Did he preach from Isaiah chapter 53? Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Despised, rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid it where our faces from him. He is despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Did he preach the cross work of Christ from the old scriptures, the Old Testament? That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He rose again for our justification. This is Paul's argument. Christ died for you folk. In Carrickfergus Baptist Church, he shed his blood, he suffered. He was crushed between the upper and the nether wheels of God's judgment. He rose again from the dead. And then he says, Paul adds to it, he's coming again for us. The completion of salvation. He died, he rose, and he's coming for us. What a wonderful gospel of redeeming grace to preach. And we must preach it with all our heart and with all our soul. I was interested in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, where it says, um, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. We shall all be. Ch-. Perhaps. 22. The world's in a mess. Our nation is in a mess. There's moral corruption on every hand. There's violence in every hand, according as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it also be when the Son of Man cometh. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. And not only would I urge any unsaved in this meeting this morning to trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, but I would urge every Christian to be prepared to meet their God. For one day we'll stand at the behemoth seat of Christ and give an answer for how we've lived and how we've acted and how we've served the Lord our God. I hope that I'm able to return the gaze of His eyes. And not bow my head and shame. The coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Now, the fact that, O death, where is thy sting and O grave, I've heard people speak of that at funerals. It's not for a funeral. It's then when Jesus Christ comes. If you're alive and remain, you'll be able to say, O death, where is thy sting? For you'll not taste the sting of death. And we who possibly will be in the grave, we that are in the grave, we'll get up from the grave and shout, Oh, grave, where's your victory? And we'll be absent from the body, caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's very interesting We phrase, and I've missed it out many and many times. At the last trump, what does that mean? Well, if you're interested in, in the Mishnah, which has a lot of to do with uh, Jewish backgrounds, you'll le- realize it's the blowing of the shofar horn. It's a very hard thing to blow, actually. I've tried it many times. I can get maybe one note. But there are only three notes. And they're described in the Hebrew. I can't even remember them. But the first note is blown on the Sabbath morn. And every Jew that has a love for God, for Jehovah, stands to attention and says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God, and him only shalt thou serve. At the blast of the trumpet, the shofar horn. The second note, and you need to be good at blowing because you use your tongue it triples, it oscillates between two notes, no two notes. And if you ask the trumpet blower, it's the call to repentance. Call to worship. Wouldn't it be great if we blew the trumpet this morning? For the call to worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. Wouldn't it be great if people were called to repentance? The nation needs call to repentance. The church needs call to repentance. We all need. I need to repent of sin and trust the cleansing blood of Christ and ask the Lord to fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit of God to live in these awful days. Call to repentance. But the last trump. There's only three calls. Has always to do in Israel with the raising of the dead. And that's why Paul uses it. Tradition. And of course, you can't go bit tradition, but tradition in Israel. And Paul would have known it being a Pharisee. It goes back to the sacrifice of Abraham. And the book of the Hebrews amplifies it to us that Abraham received Isaac as back from the dead in a figure. And he believed God that if he sacrificed his son, He would be raised again. Now, tradition in Israel says this that after the sacrifice of the ram, the old ram's horns were taken off, and Abraham blew the trumpet, recognizing the deliverance from death. When Christ comes, the angel of the covenant blows the chauffeur horn at the last trump. The dead and Christ shall rise. Now here's the argument. And here's an argument that is compelling. Therefore, in the light of Calvary, in the light of the resurrection of the living Christ, who intercedes on our behalf in heaven, in the light of the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, therefore, you folk on our and carrick, you owe it to him to be steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The therefore is compelling. It's an argument that's absolutely compelling. The second thing he says, therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, <laughs> if you read the, the epistle to the Corinthians, I was nothing going to say they the worst bunch ever you could have met. I'll tell you this if they were here and on this site as a church, you wouldn't have joined them. Especially if you're you're one of those people that are looking for perfection in the church. There used to be, uh, when I was in the old Baptist Union, there used to be a a pamphlet, a little booklet. I think it was L.E. Deans wrote wrote it on the Church of Jesus Christ. And it's an amazing, I I don't know if it's in print or not, but there was one phrase that never left me. The church of Jesus Christ is not a conservatory for prize blooms. What do you get that? When you think about the church. You know, I'm amused this time, especially around Belfast in this area. It never happened up around the country. Where people want to go to a church that suits them. You come to church for what you can give to the church, not what you get. A church system, and he, he writes this, the Church of Jesus Christ is not a conservatory for prize bloom, but it's a convalescent home for weak Christians. Now, whatever attitude you take to that determines how, how the attitude you'll take as a member of this church. Do you realize there are people in here for respite, spiritually, that are hurting, that are broken? that are anxious that are full of fear and they are depressed out of their mind because of their situation This should be a convalescent home, a place of respite where people can come, where an arm can be thrown around them, where comfort will be brought to them, when the Scripture should be spoken to them in kindness and love and compassion. Down in the human heart, crushed by the tempter, feelings lie buried that grace can restore. Touched by a loving hand, wakened by kindness, cords that are broken can vibrate. Once more, I don't know where you are spiritually. But the church should love you and surround you with their prayers, their thoughts, and their care. And that's, we're not a conservatory for prize blooms. We're a convalescent home for weak Christians. There's an affinity to be fostered among the people of God. You love your brothers and sisters in this church. You love your brothers and sisters around the world. The church is suffering. There are more martyrs today than there was in the early church. And I wonder when we have a missionary meeting for the persecuted church, how many turns up to pray for them. People that are dying, people that can't sing hymns the way you sing it, and all the rest of it. I want to say, if you want something about the love of the people of God, go back to Sid Ray's sermon a, few, uh, a month or two ago and, and listen to it all over again. I only want to add three thoughts to it. The affinity to be fostered, the love of the brethren and the love of the sisters is the proof that you're born again. This is how John puts it. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God. And knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He that loveth not his brothers and sisters knoweth not God. Do you love your brother and sister in Christ? There's an affinity to be fostered, my beloved brothers and sisters. Uh, It's the proof of the new birth. It reveals our capacity for loving God. If I knew you well enough and knew how you loved your brothers and sisters in Christ, I would discern from that your capacity for loving God. John again says, if a man says that he loves God and, that, and hates his brother or turns away from his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? This commandment have ye also from him, that he who loveth God loves his brother and sisters also. Reveal your capacity for the love of the Lord. How you love your brothers and sisters that you see. How you meet the needs of the brothers and sisters. How you meet the necessities of the church of Jesus Christ. How you put your money into missionary work. It reveals that the proof of the new birth that reveals your capacity for loving God but it must manifest itself though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love I'm only a sounding brass imagine the gift of the tongue of the angel of the orator imagine the miraculous gift of tongues that worked in the early church and you had both of them people would think you were something but we don't use them in love I was thinking about this this morning, and I was thinking on a balance. Put your words on one side of the scales and put love on the other side and balance them evenly. Every word you speak is governed by love though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mystery and all knowledge and know I had all faith so that I could remove mountains and have none, it profit me nothing. If you were the orator and had a gift of prophecy and understood every mystery and all knowledge, the church and the world would think you're wonderful. You're only a tinkling cymbal. And though I give my body sacrificially to the flames... And though I give all that I have to feed the poor, and have not love, I am nothing. Love suffereth long and kind, love envieth not, love vaunteth not itself, is not easily provoked, love thinketh no evil, keeps no record of wrong, and I abideth these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. We need the Holy Spirit of God to shed the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Maybe we need to be filled with the Spirit singing and making melody in our hearts in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. There's an argument that is compelling, therefore. There's an affinity to be fostered, my beloved brethren. But there's an attitude to be maintained be ye steadfast unmovable <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day and I thought about the story told about the Irish man that imported a boatload of uh, yo-yos the boat sunk 20 times I remember being in Bath and uh, I was doing a tour of the city seeing the baths and so forth but there's a steep hill And, of course, that's where the song of the Duke of York come in. He had his regiment stationed in Bath. And and the the guy was an actor, actually, that uh, took us on the bus tour. And he sung the grand old Duke of York. When they were up, they were up. And when they were down, they were down. And when they were only halfway, they were neither up or down. Is that the sort of Christian you are? A yo-yo. Be ye steadfast unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Are you moved? Do you know, there's a number of things that move me. For instance, scenery moves me. I love to go to Donegal, and I love to climb the hills of Donegal, when I was younger, of course. And I love all the years. Scenery moves me. Singing moves me. I love singing. I really do. I sing every day. I either a tune or edit a a tune or a tune of my own. I play the piano and I sing. And it's great. You can sing in the home and nobody hears you again. Just praise the Lord and worship the Lord. Singing moves me. Suffering moves me. I was at the hospital the other day with a lady who's gone through uh, the removal of her womb, my cancer, and it may have touched other places. She wasn't, wasn't a good singer, a godly woman. And she said, John, I, I can't pray. I, I can't get through to God. And I've said to her, look, it's not your job to pray now. It's mine. It's the church of Jesus Christ's job to pray. When you're feeling like that, depressed in mind and spirit, and you're down at that low, it is my job to pray. And I took her by the hands and prayed, God, blessing upon her that underneath her and round about would be the everlasting arms. That if you take the wings of the morning and fly to the uttermost parts of the earth, he's there. If I say darkness shall have me, darkness and light are both alike to him. If I say I make my bed and seal in the grave, behold, thou art there. Surely goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But I'll tell you what I'm moved by. Souls. Have you a passion for the souls of men? For your own family? For young people that are growing up today? And going to a lost sinner's hell? 17 years of age. 70 years ago. I was at the Young People's Convention in Londonderry. Derry. And uh, Eric Gurr, who was pastor in those days of Great Victoria Street, brilliant preacher. I'll never forget what he said about being moved. He says he was moved by the Macedonian call. Come and help us. And our missionary societies are crying out today, come and help us by going or providing people that do go, and then he said, "There was the Macedonian call, but there was the call from that was the call from right, the call from above, going into all the world and preach the gospel. Are you gospel oriented? Do you seek to win men and women for Christ? Is that your goal in life? That's mine." I love to talk to people about their souls. And you know, it's not the preacher's job. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis the task the master just for you has planned. He has to do and yield him service to you. There's a work for Jesus none, but you can do. Who have you told lately about the Christ of God who loved them and gave himself for him? Moved by scenery, moved by suffering. Moved by the sword. But he said this. If you don't hear the Macedonian call and are moved by it. If you don't hear the call from uh, above. In God's name he says. Hear the call from below. I have five brethren. Go and tell them. Lest they come to this place. Steadfast. Steadfast unmovable. There's an activity to be pursued. An argument that's compelling, therefore, an affinity to be fostered, my beloved brethren, an attitude to be maintained, steadfast, unmovable, in the Word of God and in the laws of God. You know, we used to sing a hymn, And uh, it was an interesting hymn. Free from the law, oh, happy condition, Jesus has bled, and there is remission. Cursed by the law and bruised by the fall, Christ has redeemed us once for all. Now, you're free from all the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. You are not free from the moral law. And every commandment in Exodus chapter 20 is fulfilled in the New Testament. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The Lord Jesus Christ is Lord Adonai, the one who will have no other right from. Children, honor your father and your mother, your days may be long in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Children, obey your parents and the Lord. And parents, don't provoke your children unto wrath. Thou shalt not steal. Let them that stole steal no more. Every commandment in the Old Testament is fulfilled and spoken of in the New Steadfast in a crumbling word of immorality. Be steadfast, unmovable. Standing fast in the word of the Lord. The fourth thing I want to say, an argument that is compelling, therefore, an affinity to be fostered, my beloved brethren, an attitude to be maintained, be steadfast, unmovable, unmovable. And abounding in the work of the Lord, an activity to be pursued. Are you abounding in the work of the Lord? I love this apparatus of scripture. When Jesus gives you life, He gives you abundant life. You should be jumping out of your skin. You know, abundant life. When He gives you peace, He gives you an abiding peace, it lasts. The peace of God that passeth on, and when He expects you to in the work of, it, of the Master, He wants you to abound in it. The word has the has bounce in it. You know, if you ask some people to do a certain thing, ah, somebody else can do it. I read a, a piece out of a magazine, and I'll repeat it. There was a story about four people, and maybe they belonged to Carrick Baptist Church, I'm not sure. Uh, everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody There was an important work to be done in the church Everybody was sure somebody would do it Anybody could have done it But nobody did Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job It ended up that everybody blamed somebody When nobody did what anybody could have done Isn't that our attitude today? You know, we come to church. What can the church provide for us? It's not that. If you're saved and born again, you should be here. What can I do for Carrick Fergus Baptist Church? Not only for the church, but for the Lord. Because he talks about abounding in the work of the Lord. The Lord's work. He will call you into question. There's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis the task of master, just for you's plan. Go labor on while it is day. The world's dark night is hastening on. Speed, speed thy work, cast sloth away. This is not us that souls are one. Book of the Proverbs. It says this, I went by the field of the slothful. And I saw that it was overgrown with thorns the walls were broken down then I looked and considered it well little sleep little folding of the arms and thy want and poverty shall come is that the church of Jesus Christ today I worked with a man in the Mavadi. he was a, a farmer he owned a farm a very good farm and through drink That farm ended up with the very roof of the farm falling in. And the place went to wreck and ruin. What are you doing for the Lord? I challenge you today. I challenge you in the new new year. Are you abounding in the work of the Lord? And I want to finish on this step. There's a reward for you in heaven. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. And not to me only. But all to all those. That love is appearing. Do you love the Lord? Do you love his appearing? Are you rejoicing in the wonder of his salvation? Will you obtain the crown of righteousness? Or will you lose out there's a reward for praying and I want to emphasize this I'm not ta- ta- uh, attacking anybody about your prayer life one thing or another because I don't know how you pray and I don't know how you pray at home one thing and another but this is what the Bible says when thou prayest enter into thy closet and shut to the door and thy heavenly father who seeth in secret he shall reward you openly will you get a reward for praying Big question. I remember sharing a conference when I was in my 20s, uh, 60 years ago with Jimmy Irvin and Kilray Baptist Church on Boxing Day. And of course, Jimmy was a lot older than I was. And he said this, and I never forgot it. He said this about prayer. I'm going to pray when I feel like it. I'm going to pray when I don't feel like it. And I'm going to pray anyway. And I thought no that's nonsense You, know, you need to be in the spirit You need to be in fire You need to be praying on the spirit and so forth. But I'll tell you what I've learned That I'm going to pray when I feel like it I'm going to pray when I don't feel like it I'm going to pray anyway You'll get a reward for praying You'll get a reward for giving When they do us die in arms And you'll, uh, your father the season secret will reward you openly There's a reward for working. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved by fire. What's up there for you? gold, silver, precious stone, they'll stand the fire. But if all you have done is only wood, hay, and stubble, it'll go up in smoke, and you'll lose your reward. You can have a crown of life, a crown of glory, a crown of righteousness, and there are other crowns that God can reward His people. They are not going to strut around heaven in your white robes and their crown in your head. But you're going to leave your crown at Jesus' feet and crown him Lord of all. Revelation 4, verse 9. The 24 elders cast their crown down before the throne of God and worshiped him, saying, You are worthy to receive glory and power And honor, for you created all things, and by your divine will they existed. And we shall crown him Lord of all. In the light of Calvary, my friends, my beloved brothers and sisters, in the light of the risen Christ, in the light that he's coming again, be ye steadfast. Unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labour is not in vain in the Lord. May God bless His word to all our hearts.